The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. And today uh, we're talking about acupuncture. Acupuncture has grown increasingly popular over the years as people are looking for options outside of mainstream medicine to help with their health problems and their pain. Today we're talking with Bill Reddy, who is a nationally board certified licensed acupuncturist who studied undergraduates and professors from Beijing and Shanghai medical schools. He currently serves on the executive committee of the Integrative Health Policy Consortium. He practices at Pinecrest Wellness Center in Annandale, Virginia, and is in the process of co-authoring the third edition of the Scientific Basis of Integrative Medicine, which is due to be published in 2017. Welcome to the show, Bill. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, so can you just tell us how you got into doing acupuncture? Well, you know, a, a lot of my colleagues, what happened is that they had some incredible a life-changing experience with an acupuncturist, and that didn't happen to me. Um, actually, I was an aerospace engineer back in the late 1980s. Uh, I was misdiagnosed with a brain tumor, and uh, that made me stop and uh, take 15 minutes to reevaluate my life, and I decided that um, I wanted to So I got out of the aero industry and uh, became acupuncturist. And just as a background, I, I had been studying martial arts since I was in diapers and the kind of the the gong fu master of the community in China was also the but wouldn't that be nice following those traditional steps. So um, you studied in China. Um, what did that um, bring to your practice? Um, actually, I studied under people from Beijing and Shanghai medical schools, but they came here okay. to the United States and they taught in English, thank God, because my <laughs> I can't imagine trying to learn their language and learn Chinese medicine at the same time. Yeah, that would be difficult. Um, when So we're talking, you know, our focus today is on pain. And um, what is the mainstream medicine solution when somebody is in pain? You know, that's, that's complicated. If you were to go to a regular GP, a general practitioner, and complain of something, usually they'll do muscle relaxants and anti-inflammatory drugs because it's kind of a shotgun approach where usually uh, you either have a muscle spasm that can create pain or you have an inflammatory process. So that kind of covers the bases. But if you go to someone who's a pain specialist, it's it's quite more involved than that, and it's just not uh, as cut and dried. They actually will look very carefully, see if it's a neuropathic problem, if it's uh, somatic, if um, uh, just where it's coming from, and then they also have a standard of care, which uh, I know at least my patients tell me that they may be referred to therapist or get uh, imagery done. Um, and usually they'll get a complete medical history. Um, they tend to do some lab work if necessary, and uh, they'll talk to them about the treatment objectives and what the, uh, what the risks and benefits are of the treatment if they decide that, uh, you know, that something like uh, surgery is necessary. Um, but... Uh, yeah, but in it, they, I think they do have like a protocol they need to follow, at least here in yeah. the U.S. So, um, do we know how effective you know this kind of approach is for pain? Well, I, I don't know the exact statistics for that. 
Um, what I can say in terms of just um, medication, they're effective for short-term pain, acute-type pain syndromes. When you start talking about chronic pain, then there are some side effects that kind of counteract the goodness uh, that you're really dealing with the symptom rather than uh, dealing with the underlying cause. Um, you know, in April, I did a show with an orthopedic spine surgeon, and and he was talking about how even if surgery is indicated, people are still not out of pain. And I, I think, um, you know, the statistics, statistics were quite high of how many people are in pain. It's our body's way of saying, you know, something's wrong, and um, we need to look at it here. And if, you know, surgery is not always the solution, and we're still... You know, I agree with you there that apparently... Left with pain, I think we need to start looking outside of that to see what we can do and what's what's going on to help people. Yeah, I was going to say I I agree. I I think that um, with surgeries, especially, let's take lower back surgeries, for instance, for back pain, that 50% of the people do not get better. And of the 50%, 30% decide, okay, I'll go under the knife again. And of those 30%, 70% go in for a third procedure. So sometimes it's opening up a can of worms to surgery to begin with. Now, secondarily, a lot of times people will have a disc herniation, yet really 50% of disc herniations are asymptomatic, which means they really don't feel any pain from it. But when a doctor sees that in the imagery, they assume that that's causing the pain rather than it being muscular related. Um, so when we're looking at, um, you know, taking medication and um are there side effects that people are experiencing, especially if they have chronic pain and they're on the medication long term? Oh, boy, it depends on what they're taking. If they're taking something like a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, uh, you can have a side effect of tinnitus. Uh, there's definitely uh, nausea, some rashes. Um, there's liver damage associated with uh, something like a, a Tylenol over long-term use for someone who has arthritis, for instance. Um, in terms of opioids, then we're talking a little bit more danger, and there's dizziness and drowsiness and headaches and fatigue. Uh, definitely constipation is a big one that my patients complain of. And when people die due to opioids, it's really because of respiratory depression, and that's actually listed in the CDC uh, opioid prescription guidelines. And that means that uh, for the listening audience, that your body gets so relaxed that your uh, respiratory, your respiration gets down to a point where you're not oxygenating your brain anymore and, and you die. Hmm, that's pretty scary. Um, you know, and I've seen people where they're on the opioids and even that isn't helping with their pain. And, um, you know, they're on the strongest thing that they can be given and they're still in excruciating pain. Yes, there's something called hyperalgesia, and what that is is that when someone takes opioids for a longer period of time, it actually affects the nerve endings, and so the nerves become hypersensitive, and a lot of times, again, you need more medication for the same pain. Uh, and the studies show that um, really opioids aren't very effective for long-term pain, that for acute pain, very good, but not so much for chronic or long-term pain. They're just for that short-term acute pain. Yes. Okay. So when we're looking at acupuncture as a solution, can you tell us exactly what that what acupuncture is? Sure. Yeah, acupuncture is the is the insertion of very slim needles, about four times the diameter of a human hair, usually stainless steel, and they're placed in very specific places on the body and the needles are uh, are sterile, used once and discarded. So how does it work? Well, you know, scientists are still trying to figure that out. And there are uh, a huge number of theories associated with uh, uh, acupuncture 
Uh, the researchers have a gate theory, which has to do with how um, there are different fibers of your nerves that send pain signals to the brain. And the way they look at it is that acupuncture stimulates a way of kind of blocking those nerve fibers. Um, there's a circulatory uh, system theory. There is a neurotransmitter theory. With the, uh, an endorphin theory, which is kind of like uh, you're the runner's high, and endorphins are a very powerful pain uh, control. Uh, anti-inflammatory, there are definitely some, uh, some, lots of studies to support that. And, uh, and also, it shows that it augments the immune system. Uh, but it, just like with Einstein, where he was looking for the grand unified theory, he was looking for something that could take... Uh, the study of the very, very small, which is particle physics, and connect it with the very, very big, which is cosmology, the actual universe, and he spent his life doing it and wasn't able to. The same thing is true for the, the people studying acupuncture, is that they have some theories that may work for pain, but then it doesn't explain why I can put a needle in a woman's ankle and then she starts to ovulate again. So we clearly are working with the endocrine system. We're working with a wide variety of, uh, of human systems, and uh, they still don't know 100%, but they're on their way. There, there's some <laughs> fascial, interesting fascial uh, data, and fascia is a connective tissue between the muscles and over the muscles. Well, so, I mean, we, we have all these theories, but I, I think that um, time has also shown how effective it is. Um, what is the history of acupuncture? Do you think your uh, you're listening your audience would be interested in uh, the history in the U.S. history in China or both? Um, well, the uh, you know knowing that acupuncture is five thousand years old, and then it, it's come. I know it's come over to North America, but I think that even just how long it's been around is showing how effective it is. Because if things don't work, they don't stick around this long. Uh, there's absolute truth to that. Uh, the actual theory of traditional Chinese medicine goes back about eighty centuries, and that was back before there was written language, so kind of prehistoric. Um, but the actual acupuncture started, they found things called BN stones, which are stones that don't have points on them, but were used almost uh, with like acupressure. And there are uh, carved drawings of meridians or pathways of energy in your body on the back of a uh, turtle shell. And that goes back, uh, I think, 3,500 years. And how did um, acupuncture come over into North America? Well, I, it, one would believe that it started in 1971 where uh, James Reston went over to China. It was, it was called Peking back then. It's Beijing today uh, with Henry Kissinger. And he got uh, acute appendicitis and was rushed to the hospital. And rather than fly back to the U.S., he had an appendectomy there, and after the surgery, he was quite uncomfortable, and the surgeon spoke to an acupuncturist that came on in, three needles, and uh, within about 15 minutes, his pain completely vanished, and he thought it was like magic, and he uh, wrote an article for the uh, New York Times uh, saying, hey, wow, this acupuncture stuff is pretty amazing. So that's when it was first introduced to the U.S., but it's actually been around since the 1700s uh, with, uh, with migrant workers who came from China. Um, you know, it, it's, I, I think for a lot of people, like you said, a lot of acupuncturists had that miraculous experience where they got acupuncture and it, it felt good, which was, um, you know, my story was very similar to what the one you just told where, um, you know, I had been really sick with fatigue for a long time and I had acupuncture and it was the first time I didn't have to go to bed at eight o'clock at night. I was able to stay up later. And I had that that relief finally. So I think a lot of people do experience that um, that relief when they get acupuncture. Absolutely, I agree with you a hundred percent. 
Um, so we're talking today with Bill Reddy, who is a nationally board certified licensed acupuncturist. We're talking about acupuncture and pain and how acupuncture can help you in your um, road to recovery. If you have any questions about today's show, you can send us an email or message us on Facebook or Twitter. We'd love to hear your comments. We'll be back shortly after this break. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you ever have an off day or is your life positive and uplifting? Making Life Brighter is a forum for positive, inspired, and contemplative thought, showcasing experts in their fields, including authors, musicians, and artists. Your host, Winifred Adams, will bring to life topics to stimulate and make your life brighter. We want to hear from you. Be sure to tune in Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk, and we're talking today about acupuncture. And we're speaking with Bill Reddy, who is a nationally board-certified licensed acupuncturist. He is also the in the process of co-authoring the third edition of The Scientific Basis of Integrative Medicine, due to be published in 2017. So, Bill... Um, we're, you know, we're talking about how acupuncture works and how does acupuncture help with pain? It's, it's quite incredible. And, and there's really quite a bit of, uh, of research on it. If uh, people were interested, you could go to nlmnationallibrarymedicine.nih, which is the National Institutes of Health.gov, and go to PubMed. And if you type in just the keyword acupuncture, over 24,000 journal articles come up. I'm not suggesting that all of them come up as positive evidence, but there are a significant number that absolutely do, and they're not just from the National Institutes of Health, but that uh, National Library of Medicine also has uh, uh, research articles from China and Japan and Korea and England and Germany, as well as the United States. And so what kind of results are people seeing with their pain when they get acupuncture? Well, it depends. If it's something like knee osteoarthritis, there was a study done about 20 years ago by my professor, Dr. Li Xing Lao, and Dr. Berman from the University of Maryland, and they showed that acupuncture was 88% effective for knee osteoarthritis. So you're talking about... Nine out of ten people getting better, which is very impressive. So if you look at what osteoarthritis is, it is the gradual degeneration of articular cartilage. So what happens, 50% of people over 50 years old suffer from this. And if you talk to an MD, they're going to say, well, it's not if, but it's when you get a knee replacement. And otherwise, it's uh, some kind of uh, pain medication, anti-inflammatories that they need to take. With acupuncture, I believe that it stimulates the regrowth of cartilage. Now, it hasn't been shown clinically because the MRIs are quite expensive, but I believe that to be the case because I call my patients five years after their last treatment and they're pain-free. So getting back to the original question, that if you have something that's chronic and has been around for years, then acupuncture is not magic and it takes quite a few sessions to feel better, 
But if you had a ski injury, let's say, your medial collateral ligament of your knee has been slightly torn, um, but not terribly, one treatment, two treatments is all it takes. You won't be limping anymore. So with acute problems, it can be very impressive. Um, so I guess it, that, you know, you brought up one point of it, it can how long it can take to feel that change. And we talked before the break about people experiencing instant relief. Now, is that always the case? As far as instant relief goes, it also depends on the general health of the person. I've noticed the Chinese have a concept of qi and qi flow, and that um, that qi follows blood and blood follows qi. So people who have poor uh, peripheral blood flow. So if their hands and feet are cold, then typically they don't respond as well to acupuncture as someone who is younger or who has a very, very good blood flow. So there's a number of, of things that make the prognosis less versus more. So the younger the patient is, usually they bounce back pretty quickly. I assume that's your experience as well. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, also, as you said, the the health um, that they're in as well, because they can be young, but have a variety of chronic health problems. And of course, that will make it more complicated. 100%. Yeah. So um, how how do you explain to people, like, you know, how many treatments they're going to need? And um, do you reassess them at a certain point to see how it's going? Absolutely. I create a treatment plan that describes precisely how many treatments they'll need to get better. And typically, I also draw the line in the sand. So if someone comes in and they've got terrible low back pain, and it's been going on for six months, I'll say twice a week for three weeks. And if your pain isn't cut in half or better, then I will throw in the towel and I will refer you to someone who's smarter than me or has more experience. Okay. And um, and it, it, what if it's been going on for years? Do you expect to see changes? Well, yes, but it definitely it takes some time, depending on, like you said, the health and age of the person. And that sometimes it can take months of treatment to get people out of a situation that's, uh, that has been kind of developing over time. A good example is uh, someone who has knee osteoarthritis, and so they're limping. And now for, for months and months, they've been limping, and now their low back is hurting because they've been compensating. And so one muscle on one side called the quadratus lumborum muscle is quite tight and short, and the other one is loose and relaxed, and then that can cause low back pain. So to get that realigned, sometimes I'll refer them to a physical therapist to work on strengthening while I'm doing acupuncture to get them uh, to feel better energetically. Okay, so you're looking at overall everything that they need. And, and so do you do an assessment to, with your patients to figure out what exactly they're going to need during treatment? Absolutely. If someone comes into my office, and I think we're talking specifically pain-related, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then, yeah. then I would take a, a medical history. I would get a general idea of how long the person is has been suffering with this problem. Has it been five days or five months or five years? I typically get a pain scale to get an idea of the severity of the pain. And usually I do a pain scale of 1 to 10 where 1 is barely noticeable and 10 is excruciating. I also ask about uh, the radiation. If, you know, if let's say it's shoulder pain, well, precisely where is it? Is it a spot or is it more of an area? And then are there tingling or numbness or burning associated with it? And then, as you know, in our training, we also ask if it's sharp or if it's dull or achy, kind of the quality of the pain, and then what makes it better or worse. And so sometimes people say, you know, it seems to be really bad when I sleep like for a bursitis-type issue. Or when I'm sleeping, it's fine, but boy, once I start moving around, it's quite painful. So all of these are kind of those, those clues that if you have a pipe and a magnifying glass that you can put all these together to get an idea if it's tendon, is it ligament, is it muscular-related, is it a joint capsule, et cetera. So we're um, health detectives. Precisely. <laughs> like yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so one question that I get asked a lot is how I decide where the needles go. So how do you assess a person and decide through the hundreds of acupuncture points what you're going to do with the person? Okay. So the way we're trained is to look at the pathways of energy that run through the area of unhappiness. And a lot of times, uh, if we take, for example, tennis elbow, well, that lies right along the large intestine meridian. And then our goal is, is to try to clear that pathway. So the theory in Chinese medicine, if it's a fixed pain, is that you have a stagnation of blood that's going on. And so our job is to promote the free flow of blood and the free flow of qi. And so those points will vary um, depending on the quality of the pain. So let's say it's fixed blood stagnation. We'll do a couple points that help with uh, moving the blood and then a couple points to clear the pathway, which um, like there's a point large intestine 4 on the hand, for instance, or there's a point uh, gallbladder 34 on the leg that uh, is good for uh, connective tissue repair. As, as we call it, it's the influential point of tendons. So uh, I typically use four needles, maybe six uh, on the outside, but I've heard um, of acupuncturists using 25 that patients have seen me for. What's your typical average of needles you use? Um, I try to to keep it um, lower and treat what they need. I think less is more, um, you know, and and see how it goes. You treat the area where there's pain and then, um, you know, try to um, treat the, you know, like you said, the influence of the tendon, influential of the tendon point, gallbladder 34, if indicated. Um, so you mentioned chi a few times. Um, can you just explain what that is? Sure. Well, entire books have written been written about chi, and so most people may know of chi as being energy uh, that's coursing through the body. But in Chinese medicine, there's actually a variety of different types of chi. You have gu chi, which is the chi in food. But uh, it's also kind of called grain chi, um, and and in Western medical terms, that would be uh, the proteins and the carbohydrates and the fats in our food. Uh, you have uh, chi in the air. You have uh, you have the yuan chi, which is the chi from your parents. And what that is in Western medical terms is the uh, is is really your your DNA and what kind of genes you have, so that if your parents have suffered from heart disease, maybe you're in trouble as well. And so the Chinese recognized that that people who had illnesses in their family, that their children would be uh, um, potentially uh, affected as well. And you mentioned stagnation. Um, can you just explain what that is? Sure. Uh, so in Chinese medical terms, if you think about a congestion, uh, you're stuck in traffic, that, uh, that it, it, there's a big bottleneck there. And so Chinese believe that if you have pain, it means that qi is not flowing or is stagnated in that particular pathway of energy. So we're trained to figure out which one that is and then put some needles in various spots. A lot of folks who come in with low back pain, they expect me to put needles in their lower back. But some of the best points for low back pain are on your ankle and uh, around your wrist. So, um, And then there's sometimes where we will do local points or even do e-stim, which is electrical stimulation, where we can apply a very fine uh, electrical impulse through the needles with these tiny alligator clips. And there are different... Um, there's different frequencies and different uh, amplitudes or intensities of the electricity and different waves, like a sine wave or a square wave that we use. Okay. Um, and now I think a lot of people are probably thinking at this point when you're talking about electricity and, and needles, um, is, is this going to hurt? Oh, that's a very good question. In terms of electrostimulation, Directly, if you've ever had TENS, which is transdermal electroneural stimulation, uh, which is the little sticky pads, if that's a 10, then what we do is like a 0.5. So it's a, you barely notice a little tingling. In terms of just insertion of needles, typically if you've had a mosquito bite, a mosquito bite hurts more than an acupuncture needle. Uh, with that said, it depends on where it's being placed. So we have more pain receptors on our hands and on our face and on our genitalia, on 
and bottoms of our feet than we do on our backs and our legs. And so if a needle is inserted anywhere in the palm, it's going to sting. I wouldn't be first in line for that. But if it's something on your back or your legs, it's, it's pretty painless. Most of my patients are disappointed because they expect a little something and they don't get much. <laughs> yeah, the the um, you need to have uh, pain for it to work, right? Right. Um, and uh, I, I think a lot of people can get turned off when they think about needles because we're all used to you know needles from vaccines or getting our blood drawn. And um, what I think is important for people to know is the acupuncture needles are so much finer than that. I think they're the eighth of a size of a hypodermic needle, so we're really not feeling this when they're inserted most of the time um you know most people just feel relaxed through it absolutely i'm sure a large percentage of your patients fall asleep during the treatment yes um i love when they do to to me that um that tells me that they've they've reached a state where they can relax so their body can heal i'm with you yeah, so um, we are going to take a quick break. Today we're talking with Bill Reddy, who is a nationally board-certified licensed acupuncturist, and he is also the um, a co-author of the third edition of the Science Basis of Integrative Medicine, due to be published in 2017. Today we're talking about acupuncture and that how that can help pain and your health. If you have any questions or comments about this show, you can send us an email at anantacalgary at gmail.com or message us on Facebook or Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We'll be back shortly. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. And today we're talking with Bill Reddy, who is a nationally board certified licensed acupuncturist. And he is the uh, co-author of the third edition of the Scientific Basis of Integrative Medicine, which is due to be published in 2017. Today we're talking about acupuncture and pain and how acupuncture can help your health. So, um, Bill... Um, when when we're doing acupuncture for pain, I mean, we talked before um, what results people can see, but is there anything significant that people should know when they start taking acupuncture um, into, you know, helping into their journey? What should they expect? Okay. So, again, it's, it's not one size fits all. And since everyone is, is a little bit different, it's hard to, uh, to give anyone a... Uh, a pat answer. However, uh, things like tendonitis, like uh, um, tennis elbow, for instance, is something that's kind of stubborn because it takes quite a while to go from micro-inflammation to slowly to the point where you actually feel the pain. And so when you feel the pain, it could be 
going on for months before it actually starts to squawk. Or something like uh, plantar fasciitis is something that's stubborn but is, is very uh, treatable. It just takes a few more treatments than something like uh, a muscle tear because muscles are highly vascular. They have a lot of blood flow and so they heal faster. Um, if you don't intervene, a ligament tear or a, a tendon tear because it's avascular, doesn't have a lot of, it's considered dense connective tissue, that takes about 1% per day. So a lot of times you're looking at 100 days to heal a sprain or a strain. Uh, whereas acupuncture can accelerate that significantly. Well, I don't know any anybody who wouldn't want that um, accelerated who wants to to be in pain. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, along you, you talked briefly about the electrostimulation that you can do um, on the with the acupuncture. Can you, um, you know, a few years ago, Gwyneth Paltrow made cupping really famous. Uh, she walked down the red carpet with marks on her back. Can you just explain what that is for people? Oh, you bet. So cupping has been around uh, longer than, uh, than acupuncture therapy. And uh, originally what they would do is they would take a, uh, a cup shape that was usually cut from bamboo and they would dip it in boiling herbs and pull it out and place it on the patient. Or they would take a flame and throw it into the cup and pull it out and drop it on the patient. And some uh, websites will say that, uh, that the, the fire ate up the oxygen, which is incorrect. The person who wrote that must have fallen asleep during their physics class. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is that it warms up the air and warm air is less dense than cold air. And then when you place the cup on the patient, the air cools down and it forms a suction. So if you leave it in one place, you have a perfectly circular hickey, which I believe is what Gwyneth Paltrow looked like with these circular yeah. marks. And so cupping in today's terms, they would also use glass cups, but we do have plastic cups that have a little valve on the top and a tool that you can draw the air out so it can be very well-controlled suction. So if you have a stagnation of blood or chi, uh, the Chinese believe that cupping helps draw that out. There's also some theories about uh, a toxic buildup as well. So a common use, uh, let's say... Um, a frozen shoulder or adhesive capsulitis where people really have a hard time with internal rotation of, of their arm that uh, you can place cups strategically on acupuncture points and let it sit. And when you remove the cups, they, there are purple marks that looks pretty heinous. And these bruises can last anywhere from, uh, from a few hours to, uh, to several days. And you can also move the cup around, which is called moving cupping. And uh, for people who have connective tissue that's stuck together, which is called tissue adhesions, when you move the cup, you're creating a shear on the fascia. And that shear helps pull apart that connective tissue that's all tangled up. And when it gets untangled, it feels much better. So cupping, in certain circumstances, is instant gratification. And it can also help with the range of motion difficulties with the joints such as shoulders or, or knees. Um, so I guess, you know, when we're talking about these purple bruises, the cupping leaves, are those, you know, real bruises? Are they as painful as a bruise? Um, they, they will be pretty sore to the touch. I mean, it's, it, you'll definitely know them if you're poking at it, but they're, they're not uncomfortable if you don't touch them. Okay. Um, and there's a, another style of treatment um, uh, called gua sha or scraping technique. Can you explain that? Oh, you bet. So this is another one. We have a bunch of different tools in our, uh, in our uh, toolbox. And gua sha literally translates into scrape and red. So sha means red. And uh, the scraping is used for all kinds of things, not only for musculoskeletal problems, but also for the common cold. Or if you have a respiratory condition or a cough, you can scrape a person's back in very specific places. And so these tools can be made out of jade. They can be made out of buffalo horn. Uh, sometimes the uh, practitioners will use coins or 
spoons, and all of which are appropriate. And uh, people who are listening might say, oh, wait a second, I, I'm Iranian, and my mom used to do that to me. So both cupping and guasa are also found in other countries than just China, but China is where it originated. Okay, and what, what is that doing for people when you're just scraping on their tissue? Okay, so if someone who's a massage therapist can really gently touch someone and tell that there's a problem underneath. And the, the Guasa tool is used both uh, for diagnosis and for treatment. So diagnostically, when you gently scrape, you'll notice that it'll start to light up in a particular area. And you realize, uh-oh, that's the area of trouble. Secondarily, when you have this tool, it almost transmits something like if you're wearing a stethoscope, except with vibrations to your fingers, and you can tell if there's tissue that is unhappy, if there's um, tightness or spasm in a muscle. And by gently scraping, you can have that muscle relax or fasciculate, get back to uh, its, its original uh, release the, the tissue. Okay. Um, and when you're looking, um, you know, at um, somebody's whole health with their pain, especially if it's chronic, do you recommend any lifestyle changes to help them, you know, recover their inflammation? Well, first of all, it depends. If someone has arthritis, for instance, especially rheumatoid arthritis, that if you're eating any kind of, uh, of um, oh, what's that? kind of... Uh, nightshades. The nightshades. Thank you. <laughs> nightshades such as... Uh, I know, it wasn't, wasn't coming. So uh, tomatoes, white flesh potatoes, uh, red, green, yellow peppers, and uh, what else? An eggplant. That Those are part of the, the nightshade family and can cause uh, trouble to about 30, I can't remember what the exact number is. I think it's about 80% of people who have arthritis that that's something to avoid dietarily. And you need to remove it from your diet pretty cleanly for six weeks before you're going to see an improvement. So don't take it out of your diet for a week and expect a huge result. The other one that's huge, and I always say this in my seminars, is sugar equals Satan. So if, if the listeners remember nothing else but that sugar equals Satan, they're learning something. Because sugar is really responsible. If there's anything inflamed in your body and you put sugar in your body, it's going to cause more inflammation. And it's a complex thing. I'm simplifying it greatly. But, um, but it's, uh, so typically if someone's in pain for any reason, uh, even headaches, I tell them to reduce sugar in their diet to help them feel better. And then there's the concept of of acid versus alkaline. And, uh, you, you know, for those who are listening, you can look it up, alkaline diets versus acidic diets. And in the standard American diet, which is SAD, uh, that, that tends to cause people to be acidic. And in an acidic environment, cancer runs rampant. Um, the inflammation is out of control and microinflammation leads to chronic illness and heart disease and stroke and some of the major problems we have as far as uh, death in, uh, in this country. Um, I think it's important to, to be aware of, of sugar, whether it's pain you're dealing with or chronic fatigue or anything else. Um, most of us don't even realize how much sugar we're eating. You know, it's not just in candies, but it's hidden in a lot of our sauces and our packaged food, and, and we're not aware of how much we're consuming. I agree 100%. In 1900, we consumed one pound per person in the country. Um, by uh, two, the year 2000, we're up to over 100 pounds of sugar per person. And again, like you said, sugar's hidden, and one of the biggest places is actually in soft drinks and in other types of drinks. And uh, high fructose corn syrup is something that also is just a sugar and will also cause great grief and uh, cause obesity. So um, definitely evaluate your, uh, your drinks. Drinking water, every cell in your body loves water. You can't go wrong. As a matter of fact, within reach, I have some filtered water in front of me. 
Um, I, I, a lot of people don't realize how much that they're not drinking enough water and, and um, you know, they always want something else. They, you know, I'm often told, oh, I don't like the flavor of water. Um, and, you know, and then if you're not hydrated, you're, you're, your body's not going to function properly. Absolutely. So if you're not an athlete, then the, the rule of thumb is half of your weight in ounces of water per day. So if you tip the scales at 160 pounds, you're looking at uh, 80 ounces of water a day. So when people say, oh, you know, you should drink eight glasses of water, that's a good guesstimate. And uh, if you add a little bit of uh, lemon, it can help with the osmolarity I've heard and will keep you from urinating as much. But I don't know if there's any scientific support of that statement. Um, so when we're when we're looking at um, you know pain, there's a, some other things that come along with it. Generally, people have a lot of anxiety. Does acupuncture help with that as well? Tremendously. There's some great studies on acupuncture and uh, preoperative anxiety, as well as just uh, a, a general anxiety disorder, and uh, and it works quite well. A lot of times people who are very stressed, the cortisol levels rise, and once, which is the stress hormone produced by your adrenal glands. And once your cortisol levels rise, then it starts stripping serotonin out of your brain. So serotonin, of course, is related to depression and anxiety, and serotonin breaks down into melatonin, which is what helps you sleep. And that's why people who have trouble with anxiety and depression usually have trouble sleeping as well. And so what results do people see when they're getting acupuncture for, you know, the anxiety and insomnia that's coming along with their pain? Well, one of the side effects, and I know this is true for your practice as well, is people will say, uh, you know, Bill, uh, my back is, is really improving, but wow, I've been sleeping so much better. And the critical issue of sleep is that when you sleep and you get into a particular brainwave, I think it's theta, is that that's when human growth hormone is released. And HGH is used to help you grow when you're a child, but it helps you heal as an adult. And so if you're not sleeping well, you also aren't healing well. And in the book I'm writing, I've been reading quite a bit about sleep, and it also shows that, uh, that compromised sleep also uh, leads to obesity and inflammatory markers like IL-6, which are directly involved with uh, heart disease and stroke. So, um, you know, what I'm hearing is that it's imperative for us to also work on um, the sleep and the emotions that are coming along with the pain or we're not going to heal properly. Yes, I, I agree with you. Absolutely. And that um, a lot of times if you're just someone will come in and they're saying, you know, my shoulder hurts and my back hurts and my knees really been giving me trouble and my ankle started hurting, too. Sometimes what they're saying is their life hurts. And if you really don't explore that area and all of you do is look at them as a bag of parts that you're trying to heal, then you've completely missed the point. And that's the beauty of holistic medicine in general is that we're not just looking at, uh, if you're a nephrologist, is looking at the patient as a pair of kidneys and a bladder that just happens to be attached to the person. And with no disrespect to, the, to these people who are specialists, but I think that sometimes they, they miss the point of how uh, in Chinese medicine, your emotions are directly related to uh, pathologies. Well, I think that's really important to point out because, you know, just like that conversation I'd had before with the orthopedic sp spine surgeon where the um, surgery wasn't resolving the pain um, because maybe, you know, it, that wasn't the cause of the pain and and the um, you know the degeneration or whatever they were looking at was a side effect of something else that was going on, um, whether that's the stress that they're experiencing or the inflammation that is still going to be there after the surgery. Sure, absolutely. Um, so when when you're working with people to work on those, you're um, are you assessing you know everything that's going on in their life and helping them with stress reduction as well. If someone comes in with shoulder pain and three weeks later their pain is gone and their range of motion is perfect, I haven't done my job. So as far as I'm concerned, our jobs, and you know this as well, I'm preaching to the choir, 
is that our job is really to optimize people's health, is to make sure that they're sleeping well, that their that their anxiety or, or uh, stress levels are down, that, that their uh, digestion is working properly, and that they're eliminating. If you're all constipated, then uh, that's where we release all our toxins, and then you have this toxic waste that's kind of recirculating in the blood, and that's the reason why you can't concentrate, uh, your energy level is low, and you're constipated. So, you know, all of these things come into play with uh, with uh, good health. And uh, it, in a lot of medical books, uh, they look at health as the absence of disease, but it goes far beyond that. Yeah. So if um, anybody who's listening wants to find an acupuncturist, is there a way that they can do that near, to find someone near them? Well, it depends on what country they are listening from. But in uh, the U.S., there's the NCCAOM, which stands for the National Certification Commission for Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine. And so if you go to nccaom.org, you can click on Find a Practitioner. And it's quite easy. You can put in your zip code and you can find someone nearby. And uh, there's 28,000 practitioners across the nation and there's 60 medical schools that teach acupuncture that are accredited at this time. Okay. And if anybody has any questions for you, do you have a website they can reach you at? Oh, sure. It's it's Q-I-M-E-D, so like chi-medicine.com. Okay, great. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Um, Acupuncture is one of my favorite topics, and so I'm I'm glad we were able to have this discussion. So thanks so much. Uh, No problem. So today we were speaking with Bill Reddy, who is a nationally board certified licensed acupuncturist. He is also the uh, co-author of the third edition of the Scientific Basis of Integrative Medicine, which is due to be published in 2017. If you have any questions about today's show, you can message us on Facebook or Twitter or send us an email at anantacalgary at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.